Alrighty, the Creedcast review of uh, Port Adelaide Boys. Uh, unfortunately, going down to Geelong at Adelaide Oval uh, last Thursday night. Uh, getting this one done uh, very, very, very late compared to when the game was played. It's a Wednesday morning now. Um, but yeah, I worked. I've worked for five days straight since that game, or whatever it is, four days going into a fifth day straight now. Um, so I d- didn't have much time. Being it was a long weekend and very, very busy. Uh, but um, yeah, I guess it's given me time to digest the result. Not that much would have changed if I'd done the re- review. A day later, I guess it's all stuff that's um, pretty unfortunately obvious to us Port Adelaide fans, having watched the game and a lot seen kind of how the game had panned out. Um, you know, it's um, probably what some some of us may have feared going into the game. Uh, some of those fears were realised in the just the way the game ebbed and flowed, and Port Adelaide's in- inability to probably play the four quarter, you know, play the four quarter game against a team like Geelong at the moment. Uh, that doesn't mean it's an inability that cannot be uh, rectified in this season. Um, it's certainly, you know, there's some people that look and see all doom and gloom after a result like that. You know, there is promising signs there and, you know, at least there's promising signs and you're not getting... So when you get smoked by 100 points, by pace setters, that you are... Uh, the doom and gloom sets in. But when you're um, giving them a good test and then it's just falling short, it just means you're somewhere in between. And um, that's what we're just trying to work out is how we get from that in-between Two being one of the actual pace setters, like we were last year. Um, we were getting some of the results against the big teams, uh, the good teams last year, and that's why we've got to find ourselves back in that mix um, and start actually get turning some of these um, promising signs. But then late losses to uh, these kind of teams, to you know, by when it's nineteen points against the Dogs and twenty one against Geelong, you know, it's under under four goals. It's a the kind of result that means that if you that, that's the end scoreline, then it was in the balance right up until you know. Maybe ten minutes to go. So that those kind of results, when you have those, um, it does mean there's something there. And certainly the way this game went, we we absolutely showed that we've got some incredible ability. It's just it's just amazingly, um, uh, we just don't have the ability to do it for for four quarters, um, or um, or manage the game when we're when we're having that kind of I guess rest period in within games where you you can't always be firing at that um, at that level. Uh, it's just. It, uh, physically unable to do those things, but as teams like Geelong manage to find their way back into it, we just can't do that. So we've got to find that, but um, there were some good signs in the game as well. So I guess we'll just talk about how it went and, um, yeah, we'll find something. I don't know. Um, fuck, I still don't like losing. I think probably the first thing I learned after the game um, on Thursday was just how potent, and this is probably something I was worried about. I did mention it in the preview just that they've got um the three-pronged forward line that uh, Geelong has you know assembled there um over the last few years you know Hawkins has been around for years but Rowan has come over from uh, Sydney a few years back and then um Cameron from Greater Western Sydney just this uh the, on in the off season uh, after last year um that's an incredibly incredibly potent forward line and the other thing is uh, incredibly experienced too you know Cameron's been around a long time now uh, Rowan obviously as well and Hawkins um what he's Fucking, I don't know how old he is. He's old enough. Um, he's just three incredibly experienced forwards, and it was probably the difference in the game, really, um, in the sense that uh, they had. Well, even we lost Marshall very early on, um, and already missing Lysett, and you know, just a, a lot of the you know where we were, um, you know, earlier in the year, like how do we work out? How do we work the five tools if we've got Lysett, Laddams, and then the three forwards in the game? Um, 
And then what we uh, we actually had to work out a way to manage with uh, less because you know Marshall goes out with a concussion, which has also forced him out for this week, which um, will bring in some interesting selection questions this week as to how we how we go with that, um, whether we um, the the Laddams and Lice at uh, tandem continuing with um, Laddams a bit more forward could be on the cards, but um, this weekend it was uh, last weekend it was certainly. Something we had to contend with because um, obviously Marshall going off the concussion very early on. Um, it was in the incident that uh, uh, resulted in our first goal of the game um, with Rosie taking the resultant free kick with Marshall getting um, with blocking behind the ball. Um, off the field with the concussion. Um, I'll say it right now because I know there's some people discussing it. I don't think it was one that was worth it. Now, what is worth a suspension at this point in time in the AFL is entirely up in the air because it, it just depends on the result of the injury, which is Somewhat a surprise then when you think about Todd Marshall going off a um, concussion that uh, they haven't, you know, there is no, cause, but then I don't know if they actually called it a concussion or he's just, um, or if he's just um, having to miss the game because of the protocols. Um, but either way, um, I the incident that led, it, it was, you, you can sometimes, maybe players are, um, smart and savvy enough to kind of know that they may not be getting to the ball, but they'll affect a, a bit of a block and du- create a double team on a marking attempt, um, as we see with Dixon all the time. But I just don't think that the incident with Marshall was not a, is a suspendable one. Now, the, obviously, it's a, I'm talking about a Port Adelaide player that went down, but it's just if you start setting the precedent that that's, that's the kind of thing you want players suspended for, then we're going to start losing a lot, um, a lot of players to suspension as well because it's just a lot of things happening in the game at the moment. There's a little bit up in the air, so... Incidents like that, while unfortunate, and um, it's just one that you wouldn't want to see um, players losing time for in, in the AFL otherwise, because the precedent's already getting a little bit dangerous at the moment. So, um, yeah, I yeah, it was a it was a free kick. Um, happy with that, and Connor Rosie took the took the free kick and took advantage and got our first goal on the board for the game. And but unfortunately, it did mean that Marshall was missing the rest of the game. And um, it is it is the interesting question to pose as to how we how we go. The rest of the game, because I mean, uh, there's a lot of, and this, I guess we can talk about this now, um, since I kind of stumbled into it. There's a lot of, um, obviously, the um, intercept marking by the Geelong defence was just frustratingly, incredibly consistent on the night. I think, I think, um, just inside 50 marks, uh, Geelong took 18 and we took nine. Um, I think I've read that stat somewhere, so I'm rolling with it. And um, if it's um, slightly incorrect, I apologise. But I think it, uh, I mean. What we can uh, safely say is that they, whether I've got the exact numbers right, they probably doubled around doubled the amount of marks inside fifty that we took, and that's um, the the key to the game right there. When you consider how close the actual scoreboard was, um, the the inside fifty marking um, was what because they did just take some incredible, and that's what you know Hawkins uh, Cameron kicked five, Hawkins kicked four, or it was the other way around. I can't remember. One of them kicked five, one of them kicked four. They had nine goals between them. Um, 11 goals between Gary Ablett and Billy Brownless, and Billy Brownless will always tell you that he was part of an 11 goal hole between them. But um, but between Hawkins and um, Cameron, they had nine goals between them, and um, then you throw Rowan in there uh, with three, I think, and there's 12 goals between their three key forwards. Um, that's just and a lot of them where they took some great marks, and some and there was just some of those marks were just um, experience, guile. Um, our defense was probably probably had one of its wor- worst games of the year, and it's with the first game um, that we've really been missing Cleary. Um, I think probably the first one that's really shown how much we miss him. Um, 
he we probably missed him in the back end of that Bulldogs game as well, but um, we really missed Cleary in this one. Um, he was incredible right up until he um, went down. Um, obviously, uh, the showdown, there's a lot of talk. He should have got the showdown medal, and um, he's been just... He, and you can kind of see that structurally, the defense just doesn't work quite as well. Um, Aaliyah probably hasn't been um, as good since Cleary went down either, and it's not to say Aaliyah's, um but hasn't been effective. It's just... It's just nullified somewhat with the with the different way the defense has to play. You know, Cleary does a lot of uh, similar things to Aaliyah in the way that they they mark and spoil, and and, and it's just you're just getting a different kind of backline, um, and it's certainly functional. Um, it certainly works. It just doesn't work as well as it was before, and and it starts it does make you ask um, how it's going to look when when Cleary is available available again. Um, yeah, because McKenzie certainly hasn't. It's not that anyone's letting letting the side down in that sense, and you know McKenzie certainly been have playing a great role. It's just um, he did get, um, you know, he was muscling out a little bit with Hawkins, and Hawkins beat him at times. And but look, you can't you can't look at McKenzie versus Hawkins and go, oh, that's you know that's a reason that McKenzie can't be in the side. Like Hawkins is one of the very very best to do it over the last decade, and McKenzie was holding his own at times with him, and, and certainly played a great role in him last year in the qualifying final, and um and that was a team defense effort that pushed him out wide and all that stuff, but um yeah, it was just it was an entire um just a bit of a defensive failure in the fact and how we just ma- didn't manage to deal with the the threats, and maybe that's just that there is just such uh, such high quality threats down there too. When I run through those names again, it's Hawkins, Cameron, and and Rowan, it's um, possibly just that they're, they're they're just an incredible threat, and if they do get a roll on, it's going to be tough to manage. And to be fair, there's um, you know Cameron and Hawkins were kicking a few of those goals came very late in the piece when they just got their run on in the last quarter. Now the defense it does need to be able to handle that. Um, we also need to be able to handle and try to nullify in the middle what's going on. I think that's where we lost it as well as um, you know in the midfield we just we didn't quite have the have the stock the cattle to run with them. Um, you know, Dangerfield's come back into the side. They got they got some big ins um this week, whereas we just didn't have. We still ha- aren't getting the soldiers back yet for um our midfield squad. Um, you know, Boak was Boak ended up with I think twenty six, twenty seven touches. He just seemed a bit quieter than you know just the eye test. Um, Wines was I think he, I think he's been voted the MVP of the game with the the fans vote thing again, and that's fair because he. You know he snapped his, you know he snapped his midfielder's goal, and it was a big goal at a time when, um, God, I was right back in the match. Unfortunately, uh, excuse me, sorry. I think they went down in gold um, very quickly, or not, or not long after that. But um, and that's what happened in that third quarter. We just we get back, and then they get one quickly back, and it was just the the way the goals fell just wasn't right. Um, once they got back ahead, they just were able to keep themselves. At arm's length, it seemed, and it just it was just frustrating in that sense. But um, Wines was, you know, incredible. It's just we just don't have enough. Um, you know, games like this, you're just thinking, oh, you know, Rockliffe would be great if he was available again. I know uh, we keep saying that he he didn't well, he was put out of the side um, at the start of the year due to the depth, but um, he certainly would have got to run this year. I, that, I mean, that was the plan. He's he was definitely going to be a factor in the side. And when you're missing Dersma, Butters, and Rockliffe, um, it's just um, it's just an absolute hole in that 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 grunt. Um, that would have been that, and particularly a guy like Rockliffe in a game like this, the experience would have told as well. And um, and it would have been just you know taking a load off the, the likes of um, Boke as well, because um, you know just the the midfield stock, the midfield versus midfield just was 
Um, it was just one, you know, and and that's so much of the entry into that forward fifty just wasn't as great. And whereas, um, you know, the kicks inside fifty for uh, to advantage for Geelong were just um, elite at times, and and that's just where it was told. It was just you know, it, and this is what that's what footy is. It's um, a game where uh, your entries, um, you 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 so much of what your forward does, forward line does, is obviously down down to your midfield, and then come, if you're rebounding out of the back, as Geelong did very well at times on the week uh, on Thursday, that that's a factor in it as well. And that's just where it was won and lost. Is you know the midfield midfield battle was won by Geelong, and then um, in turn created a lot better. Um, Forward fifty entries for themselves, and then ours were a lot worse. And then, then that's what um, you know. You could just see that they de- their defense was taking some great intercept marks, and um, we just weren't. And then, yeah, just quickly touching back on Marshall again, it's just, um, how much of an effect would he have been as an extra tool to run with the likes of Blitzarves and and stuff like that, and the players like that, that it would have maybe maybe changed the dynamic a little bit and made it a bit harder, made made some more marking options, but. Um, it was just one of those games, man. It was, um, you know, we we knew going in, um, and I knew going in that it was going to be a tough one. And it's what um, I think I looked at the, what the betting odds closed at, um, right at the right at kickoff. I think the stats inside of the last betting odds update at seven fifteen, so just after the game started, and um, or just right on when the game started. And they they I think Port had actually gone out to two dollars and Geelong, had, um, so a lot of money come in for Geelong late. And um, that kind of shows the kind of um, yeah, you know, the differences you're looking at, or the the closeness we were looking at in that game, and how people saw it. It was a, it was a it was a coin flip basically, and like I said, stats inside out us winning by two points um, as their prediction. But I think that was purely because of home field, and um, particularly when you've got a team like Geelong having to do the you know quarantine before they go and all that. You know, we saw last year that that can. Some teams handle it well, some teams don't, but certainly a team with the experience. I think Geelong um, were the first team in V slash AFL history. So, again, we're talking about a very select part of history, not the overall um, history of the sport, but we're just going with their stats, so we'll roll with it for now. That um, but the first team in that history that had, um, had 10 players, 30 years or older, starting the game. So, an exper- incredibly experienced side. It's a problem that might have to do with in a few years when they... You know, when things start to go south for them, and a few of these guys start retiring, but when when you can actually roll out fit guys that that, that experience, if you can, it's going to be an incredible boost to your side um, because there's a lot of a lot of karma heads, I guess, and and a lot of guys that have been there, done that, and you could see in the moments in the game where we shot out to those kind of that 21 point lead that we had, um, their their experience told they didn't panic, they just kept on going about their business. They didn't let they kind of I think teams like that, um I think we're certainly getting there, but you, you recognise where a team's having a run and you you kind of just try to make sure that it's you know, rather than rather than trying to attack back and play them at their own game, you just try to just take you know, uh, take the punches, you know, bend but don't break. Um it's kind of like um you know they talk about it in um you know uh, American football is bend bend but don't break, which is you know if the team's getting yardage on you, you just you let them get down, um, you know, you get them to the 20, but then um, kind of shore up the defense at that point. They, You know, it's not that they actually want to, but you, you have a kind of defensive style that allows you to give up some points, but not a lot. Um, so, you know, you give up the field goal instead of then. So they might have, you know, I think Geelong just had that wherewithal to notice that, you know, we were on a run. 
if we just stick to our structures um, that that we w- they won't score big. On, they're going to score a couple here at this point because they're just on a run of form. But we just stick to our structures and and make sure they don't. We don't. We won't try to punch back too hard at this point. We'll wait for our moment and uh, and and their moment came and they they were just ruthless. They could just uh, and it was um, a little bit scary how quickly they could um, bounce out of defense down to um, a couple of times that they ran past us uh, on in Bay One Forty there. Just handball the the slickness of handballs and the the smoothness of the transition that uh, Geelong showed was um you know something to watch and something to try to you know Port Port need to watch that game tape back and look at what they were doing in comparison to us and fig and figure out how because some of those transitions were just so smooth and um and it's something that we've been falling apart in a few games at times this year is um those transitions between uh, the four uh, our defensive half to the forward half is just um you know. Bad, bad, bad decision making, bad skill errors, and it's and it's not like in isolation. It's now something we've seen a lot, and everyone's been commenting on it a lot this year. Just um, how bad some of those skill errors and and, and um, mishaps and kicking and, and handballing and decision making have been. So, um, whereas you could see just Geelong was just so decisive and, and clinical with some of theirs that. Um, and we've got the players, we've got the stock, we've got the guys that can do this. So it's um, it's just you've got to find it, and it, I think it's um. You know, certainly the guys when they're they're on song, they've got the skills to execute. So it's um, it's got to be something mental within within those moments of the game that uh, they've got to figure out. You know how how do we recognize the moments in the game to be better and and not let that start happening? You know, because it kind of comes in like a tidal wave, a tsunami. You know, it comes, it just it just um, compounds itself at times when it, we really don't need it to. So. Um, what the answer is to that, I don't know. I'm not one of the coaches. I'm not. I'm certainly not a psychologist or anything like that. But um, just things I'm noticing. It, it's just it just it a, frustra- a frustration and something that the the side does need to look at because it is the probably the key factor that's um stopping. Because there was a moment when we'd gotten 21 points ahead, Geelong maybe had gotten one of those goals back, so it might have been back to 15 points. And Alir is kind of, he's got the ball, he's got clear possession, he's run, he's, and he's tr- he's trying to rebound out of defense, but he, he, go, he goes to kick the ball and just gets tackled from behind, or he, and he just mis, mis- kicks it completely. Geelong pick it up in the midfield area, and, and, and because of the fact that we were we were move, transitioning out of defense, there was, the break was on, and I can't remember who, but it was it resulted in a goal, and suddenly it's back to nine points, and Geelong have got two in a row, and it's really, it's a roll on at that point, and um, and you could just see, and you could hear the crowd. The crowd was like, you know, there was that kind of, oh, you, you're hot, you're hot. There's someone on you, um, and it's just, it's just that kind of, it's that situational awareness to know what's going on, because if he'd gotten a good kick off, or um, or at least not one that was going to allow that defense, that breakdown again. Um, Maybe that goal doesn't get scored and slide indoors moments. Um, who knows what happens throughout the rest of the game? I think Geelong do come back into us one way or another at some point. But we've gone down and kicked the goal again because of a, a good uh, transition and defense rather than um, what happened. Then you know it's, you can look at it a twelve goal turnaround and um, twelve point turnaround. Sorry, and um, and that's just those little moments in games are what what count across the board when you look at a game in entirety. Those little ones really count for a lot at times and. Um, that's just one example of kind of the the skill errors at, at crucial times. That just um, that aren't and it's not like it's a skill error under pressure. He he, he had the he, you know he, he had space apart from the guy and he, he just had to execute better in the moment and recognize the um, the hot tail. But um, that's that's footy and that's what that's the kind of lessons we need to learn out of this one um, and try to figure out 
uh, how to how to stop these ones happening so much in a game against such um, top quality opposition. Because as we learned, and as I mentioned, you know Geelong forwards, Geelong midfield, and certainly the Geelong defense are all ruthless in their ability to um, to capitalize on our on our errors. On our end of things, um, it's very. I'll get to a couple of the real uh, highlights in in a moment for Port players. There's certainly a couple of. Um, Malign names at times over the past month or two um, that really stood out the other night. But um, probably just a few. It's and I don't need to get into it too much. Um, and we certainly don't like to be the kind of area that um, you know just piles on. But um, there is a, a few of those players that um, just need to do more in games like this. Uh, and and it's and it's certainly a learning experience for them. And I hope that they um, they figure that out. Um, you know, guys like I think Power Pepper only had um, had not even 10 touches on, on Thursday. And he's the kind of guy, especially when we're missing, like I said at the start, those soldiers we're missing, um, the likes of Butters and Dersmer and, and Rockliffe. Um, you know, the power peppers are the ones you want to stand up in these contests because uh, Wines and Boak both had 25-plus, so they've gotten their touches on the ball, whether whether they're effective at all times, uh, but they're still getting around the ball and making making it count. You need guys like um, your power peppers and all those to, to make a bit more an impact, your motlops, um, Burton, all those kind of blokes. It's just they didn't quite get enough hands on the ball. Um, the game kind of passed them by a little bit. And that's just, that's just the difference in games like this. Um, and that's a learning experience for them all. They're all young, younger players. So um, you hope that they're picking up. Because, you know, they play, they're playing against it. Like I said, the, the I think the average age of the Jong side was fucking 28 or something like that. You know, our, our, there's a, so many more years of experience going on in that Geelong side, and they've gone through. All those guys have gone through the periods of time where they don't know how to get their hands on the wall, and don't know how to get into the game to affect the game. So it's a good learning experience. Unfortunately, it's a, it's always better to have learning experiences that are also wins. But um, we'll t- we'll just have to take what we can get, and what, what we can with the game is now done. Go back, go back, and change things. So that's all I can say. Is I hope these guys are looking, kind of looking at how the game went past them at times and try to figure out how they can how, how they can affect that more because, you know, Pal Perry was a, guy, a bloke I love and I'm, I hope he's a Port Adelaide player for life. Um, and I'll, in, his, in his effect on that game, he got himself into that Fremantle game really early um, before the break and was incredible. And you just want to see that. I know obviously Geelong are a far better opposition at this point in time than Fremantle are, but um, there is ways into the games like this. And it's just the experience told and for Geelong and that's just what it was. Um, a couple of the big ones, though, that were really impressive, and obviously I said they were both maligned um, for the last few weeks, unfairly at times. And Connor, we'll talk about Connor Rosie first. Connor Rosie um, has been the talk of much, has been the product of much talk because um, I don't think he kicked goal since round eight, and he just hadn't been. He looked fucking knackered in that Fremantle game before the break. Too, there was one point his hands were on his knees, and it just he just looked tired. Um, and whether he's been carrying, he's still trying to get back into fitness. And he's also kind of in that role. Um, he's not quite a midfielder yet. He's not quite, but he's more than a forward. So it's he's in that really, that limbo place of trying to figure out his role on the side. And they're trying to get him the midfield minutes, but he's not quite there as far as the experience goes. So he's just, um, he just doesn't have quite the defined role that um, we want him to have, even though, and we're all, we're all very aware of that and cognizant of it. It's just a, it's just that's that transition period of his career where we're trying to figure it out. And um, so when you're in that role, it's kind of like you, you've got to make your effect on the board somewhere. He just had in the last few weeks and it's just been a bit of a limbo. But, um, and, you know, there's talk that people said, you know, you know, does he need to spell on the spell on the twos and the magpies? And, and you know, there's always there's always some credence to that when someone's had gone through such a bad trot. It's like, is that going to be the best thing for him? It's playing footy and getting back to some good footy is always going to be good for you. So whether that was... 
there's no right or wrong answer in these moments. Um, sometimes I do. I I just think my personal opinion on it was that Rosie got enough class that um, if he finds form, we want him to find it with us. Um, especially with the injury issues, I don't think we were in any danger of um, Rosie's place being sorely, sorely you know missed in the side. So it was um, it was with great pleasure that we watched him um, fire back into form. And you know this is the thing: if he's not going to get the midfield touches, then um, and he's going to be playing around the forward line. He needs to kick a couple of goals a game at least. Well, five will fucking do it. Um, that was an incredible performance from Rosie. It was clinical as far as the kicking goes as well. Um, you know, it's that for, that first quarter um, and the goals he was kicking, and then and then again he kicked a big one in the last quarter. That um, was it's um, obviously in the end of the game. It wasn't as important as we were hoping, but it was certainly a clutch goal in the moment that put us nine points up a few minutes into the. Um, last quarter and um, at a time that's you know it's you know clutch goals unfortunately don't get aren't, aren't exactly a stat I, I think there might be stats about clutchness in certain sports but I don't know how defined it is in AFL and certainly it would be in, in murky waters when you talk about clutch goals that don't actually end up meaning anything but um, at that moment in the game it was a very clutch goal um, and it was very you know not the most um, straightforward shot either so um, five goals for the match, and Rosie was um, found some form, and certainly, well, you know, was one of our main goal, our leading goal kicker for the Knights, and um, and and incredibly important. Um, we don't get, out, don't even have a chance in that game without the impact of Rosie and that. So that was um, really just nice to see, and hopefully, moving forward uh, with Port Adelaide um, now that he's kind of got that, that that's just that little bit of a confidence boost as well. Um, you know, so much of footy and so much of sports in general is all above the shoulders, and um, you know, just for him to get that, to get that feeling back, you know, because it's probably what he's been chasing, um, is chasing that feeling, um, um, you know, what up, hilltop wood, but he's been chasing that feeling of trying to find that form again. You know, form is so so much. It's so much about what how you're feeling as well, um, rather than what you're actually, you know, you find you might feel fine. It's just not coming together for you. So now he's 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 probably got that feeling back. Of what it feels like to be in a groove, and he's actually he's made an incredible impact in a big game as well. Um, he's got Kane Corns tweeting about him and versus Sam Walsh again, which is entirely just Kane Corns absolutely fishing now, and the, the amount of bites he gets from it is incredible, and um and and it's, and it's quite hilarious because I think Kane Corns and all of us recognise that Sam Walsh is fucking incredible as well, but um it won't stop uh, people having a having a bit of a fish when they get the chance, but um you know it's it's a great sign, and hopefully that's a nice little sign. Um, one little thing we can take forward into the second half of the season um, that uh, Rosie might find a bit more of the footy again, and and has kind of worked out where the goals are again, and um, can be can you know even if we're still going to see these this up and down because he's in like I said he's in that kind of trend, that period in his career where um, his role on the side isn't exactly defined um, as far as you know because he's he's trying to you know advance his skills in certain areas on the field and um, he's not just that um, high half forward or whatever, but. Um, there's certainly um, a sign there that he can be quite effective going forward and um, and make an, Im- make an impact, particularly in big games too. I think five goals against a side like Geelong is an incredible um, incredible feat rather than just kicking five on, you know, North Melbourne or something like that. So it's a it's a sorry North Melbourne, but um, it's uh, that is a great feat. So um, yeah, big big plaudits to Connor for um, just just having an incredible night against what was um, a really tough opposition in a big in a big game, you know, prime time game and all that stuff. You know, pick your moments, and that that was a great moment to um, try uh, to roll back into some form and and make a real impact in what was unfortunately a loss, but very much could have been a match winning match winning turn. 
Uh, the other one, of course, was um, big Charlie Dixon. Um, you know, so much talk. Uh, he hasn't kicked goals against big teams. He he's um, he just hasn't been as effective in general. Some people have been saying over the last few weeks. I think um, a lot of people miss some of his the, the amount of work he's been doing in the ruck over the last month and um, some of his work up the ground as well. Um, he took some big marks up on the wing this this week. Um, I think he took six marks of the game and some incredible big marks. Um, yeah, a couple up the ground. He was doing a fair bit of work in the ruck. Um, he was the second ruck essentially after Laddams. He was the one to take take over for Laddams when Laddams was taking a break and he was up there fairly often. Um, and when you're missing Marshall as well, it's, um, it makes you wonder what kind of the, the forward line um, dynamic would have been if we'd stayed fit throughout the game rather than needing um, to sub on uh, Boyd for Marshall. But unfortunately, but that look, that's taken away from what I was about to say, which is Charlie Dixon had an incredible game. Um, particularly... Probably the the thing that has been um, maligned more, uh, you know, there's been some talk amongst the Port, Port fans about uh, Dixon this year, but um, probably the thing from outside Port Adelaide is um, Dixon doesn't kick the goals against the big teams. And, um, you know, sometimes sometimes when you're playing a big team and you you have a bad game, it's not only uh, Dixon. There's been plenty of other big players that have just had quiet nights against good teams because that team has just rolled over the top of your team. But um, Dixon... Um, I don't think he kicked more than one goal against some of these teams last year, which um, was an interesting year last year. So with as far as goal kicking goes and how many goals players were actually kicking throughout the year. But um, it was still warranted criticism, I guess. Um, certainly, um, I, I I tend to take the tack that if you're winning games, it doesn't matter how many, if the team's kicking a amount of goals and they're playing a role still. And Dixon certainly was getting double and triple teamed. A lot last year, as um, I think um, his numbers in the contested marking categories showed clearly he was well ahead of everyone else last year due to the fact that he's getting double and triple teamed. And he was again the other night. He's getting fucking um, absolutely manhandled, but he played angry. And um, you could t- you could see in him how... And uh, even the, the game against Frio before Arabai, um, you could see some... There was a little bit of... A, like the way he was tossing that bloke around. Um, you know, there's a, there's, an, there's a real bite and anger that's come into his game, but it's like a healthy anger, obviously. It's just a, an aggression. And um, he played that the other night. And um, again, like and like Rosie, at a time where we needed guys to kick big goals at crucial times, um, he bobbed up with a couple early. And then um, his turn late in the game, uh, in the fourth quarter, when he takes a couple of big marks, you know, one to bring it back from, because we were, what, uh, nine or ten points down at three-quarter time, ten points down, I think it was. Um, takes a mark immediately, uh, kicks a goal, and then we again um, kick. A, and he kicks a goal again uh, a couple of minutes later to get us ahead of the game. Those are such clutch goals, and um, particularly for a player like Dixon, who we do sometimes. You know, you kind of watch through through fingers as to if he's going to kick the goal or not. Because sometimes he does just um, some of those set shots. He can just um, you know spray a little bit wide when they when you know lean back on it and all that stuff. But um, he just was so clutch with his goal. I think he kicked four goals, one for the night. Um, that's that's just incredible um, for a player like Dixon who's had some, uh, like I said, he's had some, just some issues at times with goal kicking at, at certain points. And um, I was really impressed with what he did in um, his marking. And a, a, lot of, a lot of those marks are real tough marks to take too. There's guys flying from three different angles, you know, like I said, triple teamed at times. And he's just reading the ball right. And he's, and he's really clunking those marks and holding on to them. Those big mitts are just grabbing onto him. And then, you, know, you can see the benefit of some of that training he's been doing over the last couple of years with just... How to how to handle the ball, you know, he, he, like 
this is the thing. His marking ability is actually incredible. It's just sometimes he just doesn't put himself in the right positions to be able to. But if he gets um gets the ball come in right to him, the way he can hold on to some of those marks above his head is um incredible. And a couple of those that were taken near us, I was just marvelled at the ability of him to to hold the ball, considering how how contested some of those marks were. So um he had a he had a great game, um, and uh, it was certainly part of the reason that we almost won. Uh, you know, well, didn't almost win it in the end, but uh, certainly uh, um, made it a contest at times. And, and the runs we had in the game were uh, were there. So um, yeah, a big big night for a couple of guys that uh, have been maligned at times. And Dixon certainly um, with everything he was doing around the ground as well as and in the ruck, um, it's going to be nice to have Lysett back. And you know, this week if we do go to Lysett, Laddams tandem. Um, Give Dixon a bit more time up forward, um, or just a bit more time doing what he um, does. You know, he's gonna he's gonna play his role for the team, and um, that's what's um, incredible about Charlie is um, what he does around the ground that sometimes doesn't get as as noticed. But um, you know, certainly it will be a boost to us, particularly this week missing Marshall. If um, you know, if Dixon can spend a bit more time um, in the in the forward line where he's um, where he's most effective as far as his impact on our scoreboard, um, it is always it is it is a nice thing to be able to just throw. I'm sure Hinkley. It won't be the last time Hinkley just randomly throws him into the ruck just to just to mess with the opposition a little bit here and there. It's, um, it's an interesting tactic, and I don't mind it. I don't mind playing a little bit of playing some um, um, some ducks and drakes and all that stuff with the with how that goes. So, um, but yeah, I'll be happy to see Dixon up forward more than more than often than not. I think so. Um, yeah, great game from a couple of guys that have been needing uh, big games. All right, last thing I'll mention, just to end on a high note, as well as well as talking about those guys, um, it was an interesting tactic throwing um, Lockie Jones. I was I was I was very excited once I saw Lockie Jones line up in the forward line in that last quarter. Um, it didn't work out as well as it, as we hoped, just with how everything else panned out for that last quarter. And um, I don't even think it's him missing down there in the defensive half when Geelong were getting that run on the goals. Um, there was a lot of goals there. It was just um, just the breakdown of breakdown of structures, and there was a lot of open space in the forward line for Geelong to exploit. Um, but uh, it was a really nice moment when uh, Jones did get that that goal, and it was a not not an easy goal as well from that that pocket, um, having to go the snap and all that stuff, um, go around the body, executed it well, and. Um, it was really nice to see that in the moment, you know, when he kicks that goal, I think we bring it back to 16 points. We need three goals in about three or four minutes, I think, at that time. So the game wasn't done, but it was pretty much done. Um, it was really good to see all the players get over and really enthusiastically um, get around him for his first AFL goal. Um, that's a good sign in in a match where things hadn't gone well. Um and uh, we we you know we were down and out at that point probably even if like I said theoretically there's a chance if you get a couple of goals together and certainly when I thought Georgiati just taking that mark probably thirty seconds later but it was called back for a free kick um you know if that goal if he'd kicked a goal there and we needed two and a minute and a half two minutes it would have been a real interesting finish to the game but um it didn't pan out that way and we probably all recognised that at the time when Jones kicked the goal it was probably a long shot but it was still it's still a good sign for a side and a side that's together. Regardless of, you know, there's a lot of things not going right and all that stuff, and we know that as fans. But um, it's a good sign that the club is still very together and um, united in the sense of what the mission is, even if it's not going exactly to plan at the moment with how they got they how enthusiastically they got around Jones for the goal. Um, you know, you see, and Martin, look, this is what happens most of the time when players kick their first AFL goals. But I have seen it in the past where, you know, a player kicks his first goal and a few guys get around him and the rest of it's a... But you can kind of tell there's not an enthusiasm for it, but everyone really seem to um, 
really, really be genuinely happy in that moment, and that's a good sign as to far just to how the mentality of the squad as a whole is at the moment. You know, like I said, things aren't going exactly to plan. We're still going all right. Um, you know, um, so. I thought I was just enjoyed that. It was a little nice bonus at that point of the game when I I was kind of sitting there just no, when we're done, we're done now. But um, look, that's good to see and um, get around him and you know he should see that it's obviously something that the clubs talked about at times. And well, whether it came up that that was the first time they thought it was, it was just a a little move. Let's just throw him up forward and see, um, get a little bit more marking power up there. Maybe I don't know, but. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he gets a bit more of a run up forward just at times when uh, you know, Kingsley and the staff are trying to try different things. But um, yeah, um, excited to see Jones get his first goal and just continue to build into his um, into his early career here. So yeah, good stuff. Um, apart from that, uh, yes, we're eight and four after our loss the other night. Um, just sitting outside, but um, how the rest of the round went really benefited Port. We didn't, we didn't, we were still in the same ladder position that we were um, at the start of the round, which is incredible um, when you think about it. Um, but um, just going to Google that now just to make sure I don't um, miss misread what I'm, I'm about to say. But I, I know um, we had uh, Sydney lose on uh, Friday night, which was a real boil over. Um, which you know, one of those things that you can just look at and say, look, let's you know keep always keep perspective in um, in footy because. Uh, yes, we lost to Geelong, who are a very good side, and they're sitting um, just two games. Uh, it was just a game behind. Uh, you know, if Melbourne, uh, sorry, um, Geelong uh, go go up and uh, get a win this week, they'll be just a game behind um, behind Melbourne, I think. So uh, you know, these are these are results. A uh, game behind, sorry, Melbourne and uh, the Bulldogs, um, depending on what the Bulldogs do this week. Sorry, but. Um, yeah, Geelong are right up there at the top of the table now. And um, but Port um, with Hawthorne beating Sydney, um, Sydney don't get that jump on us. Um, Brisbane uh, sitting just a percentage above us, a decent percentage above us, but it's there. But um, they're in fourth. We're equal fourth basically on points. So um, they're also equal seventh, I guess if you could say. But um, the the other team, teams behind us have the game in hand. That's a that's a big key. Uh, sorry, the game they've already got a game played. We've got a game in hand. Um, so. We win this week. We get a we get the jump on um, sixth, and if and we we keep track with the top four basically. So um, the way the round round panned out wasn't quite as um, devastating as it as it possibly could have been. Um, obviously, we still need to get the results on the board to keep out keep pace, and that's where we need to get back on board and get back trucking this week against the Gold Coast. But um, you know the way the results panned out was we're eight and four. We didn't we didn't lose ladder position. We're actually um, <laughs> we're still in the top four, just outside of it on percentage. So um, there is there is a lot of hope in this season still. And um, you'd, you'd be um, I certainly um, made my thoughts known after the game about the fact that we we let it go. We failed the test again, but failing a test um, in mid season doesn't mean you don't have time to make up for it. So that's the that's the positive to take out of it is that we're. Still in a very healthy position in the ladder. Look, it's not where we hope to be at this point of the season, but I don't think anyone expected Melbourne and the Bulldogs to be flying away at the top of the table either. Nor did anyone expect Melbourne to lose to Collingwood, although maybe the, the Buckley stuff, maybe it was um, it was on. But uh, look, that's that's footy. Um, teams can win at any time if they if they get the right right mo- mojo going. So yeah, we're in a we're in a re- reasonably healthy posi- position considering um, how how we kind of. Felt after Thursday was it was just a it was very somber and you know failed test again and all that stuff and yes those all those things are true but it's also true that we're not um, we're not in a bad position either so we're just got to keep getting the results let's just keep being flat track until we figure it out against these top sides 
um, at these sides above us. Let's just keep being a flat track bully. Let's just keep beating the sh- beating. Uh, hopefully, we beat the shit out of the Gold Coast this week and knock on wood, um, and get and get that result done and get back on the get back grooving in the winners winners list and um, and just and until we figure it out, just keep beating the bottom sides and we'll, we'll figure it out against the top sides as we go. So yeah. Unfortunate result, but um, yeah, there's 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 still plenty of plenty to play for this season, and, and plenty on the table for us to still tr- um, try and have a historic season here. So can't appear, it'll get better.